Coming to you live from Star Worldwide Networks in Scottsdale, Arizona. Be, dream, do. Living by design. The radio show is focused on people sharing their stories of how they were able to understand what they were really passionate about and had the courage to dream big and then did it. Now, join the conversation with your host, David. Well, good morning, listeners. Welcome to Be Dream Do Radio. This is your host, Dave Wyden, with my son, Sean. Hi, good morning. And we have a very special guest here, Joy Lubeck. Good morning. And we are thrilled to have you here. Uh, you know, it's funny. Um, it's not by coincidence that we have you on the show today, because this is the season just full of joy. Oh, yeah, my husband has something to say about that. (laughs) (laughs) Our holiday guest. The holiday guest. You You know, we've been waiting all year for this, and finally it's happening. (laughs) My goodness. I love it. I tell you what, you know, so for the benefit of the listeners, Joy is a a personal friend. I can say, is that a stretch? Is that a stretch? Not at all. And uh, and a colleague. And uh, she is the principal, founder and principal of... Uh, lead fully. Um, it is a human-centered um, business leadership coach um, uh, proposition, and she's also president of the newly formed Arizona ICF Arizona chapter, which of the International Coach Federation. So, how exciting is that? And also, uh, former principal of the Lubeck Group. So, we're really excited to have you here today, Joy. Very, very excited, and. One of the, actually, the determining question to get you on the show is, do you love what you do? And, <laughs> you know, so we've had numerous conversations about how your socks roll up and down when you talk about coaching and all that stuff. So tell us a little bit about what you do today. I guess if I were to really just sum it up briefly, I would say that I work with high-performing leaders in organizations, both for and nonprofit, to support the development of their potential. Wonderful. That's wonderful. And how did you get there? That's a way longer answer. And, and you know what? That's why this show is an hour long. I know. I'll try to keep it brief. Um, you know, if, if you start with the end in mind, I had no idea I would be here at all. Mm. Um, My love from the very beginning of life was music. Um, Mm. And I was raised in a very musical family. Um, And as a singer? uh, It's interesting. So my mother was a violinist. I played piano and my father was a a choral conductor. Okay. And so as a young child, I was, you know, I thought it was pretty normal to sing in choirs and, you know, there'd be live quartet music in the living room and I'd go to sleep by it. Mm-hmm. And, and then I evolved and, and also became a quite a accomplished pianist. I wish I could say that today. Um, but the other passion that crept into my life is my grandmother was from, from Yugoslavia. And uh, she and my aunt uh, came into the United States many, many years ago. They're both past now. And what I was curious about was Ooh, a different culture, mm-hmm. a different language. Mm-hmm. And my mother, who's no longer with us as well, was very much a firstborn American. And she would have nothing to do with teaching me Serbian 
or letting me go to the classes to learn the Cyrillic alphabet. Mm. And that was the downfall of her and the beginning of me because then I ended up just getting curious about it all. Okay. Wonderful. So where did that curiosity take you, Joy? So I was learning to speak Spanish, and then I took on German, and then I decided, you know what, it's really boring taking it out of a book. Mm -hmm. So what did I do? I decided I announced to my parents and cut a deal that I would finish my college education in Spain and in Austria. And at that point, um, I, I would say I never looked back. I became an internationalist. So now that is cool. Sean, I'm sure you got a few questions to where, ask. Where were you living in Austria? I was living in Salzburg. Oh, that's where I lived. You were in Salzburg? For three years. I'll be darned. Yeah, they that's say Servus, right? Servus. Servus. Rustigot. Uh, alles good, danke schön. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not that good, uh, I'm not that good at German. So. Well, I've, I've lost a lot <laughs> of it. I'm Yeah. Okay. I'm not good. No, it's not that good. No, it's not that good. It's a bit that Yeah. What he said. <laughs> I was eating a lot of McDonald's in those days. Oh. I knew how to say no onions. Oh, yeah. Uh, two ketchups because you got to order it separately. Yeah. And then Fanta, of course. <laughs> it's very <laughs> true. Hamburger Royal menu on its zwiebel with uh, zwei ketchup and grosses Fanta. Bitte <laughs> schön. Wow, I am impressed, Sean. That's awesome. I said that like all high school. Yeah. <laughs> <That> was... <laughs> but yeah, Beautiful. okay. Sorry. Um, so did you ever learn the Serbian alphabet? No. I can sort of sing Silent Night. I know that earrings mean minjusha. I know milk means miljako. I mean, seriously. I, I wished I knew more and I wished I could learn it. Um, and it's on the list. Yeah. Um, but then I went to Madrid and also did a double major, German and Spanish. And and then my husband and I, when we got married, he had an opportunity to go to Milan. Oh, my. And wow. I said, yeah, let's go do that. And this is before kids and all that good sure. stuff. So we didn't look back. And then his company relocated from Chicago to Milan to Phoenix. Oh, wow. And we said we could do anything for a couple of years. That, friends, was 1980. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> yeah. And then our sons were born here, raised, born and raised and. They're off doing their own thing, and we stay here. And every summer, I just go, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but other than that, it's it's pretty cool. So just to kind of level set things here, and I know listeners, this won't make a whole lot of sense to all of you out there, but um, Sean, I just want to tell you that Joy and I have a friend in common. Hmm. And it's the same guy whose uh, flat you stayed at in New York City. Oh, okay. Yeah, Paul Perez. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you go. Shout out wow. to Paul Perez and yeah, his mom. Yeah, a big mom. shout out yeah. to Paul and his mom. They all, all, and, and the sister, Helena. Yes, absolutely. They, yeah, they did an awful lot here for the arts yeah. uh, here in the Valley of the Sun. So that, and, that's And actually, wonderful. if I could just add, that's how I sort of started my career here. Uh -huh. um, I got into the nonprofit world and became the, right after I graduated from Thunderbird School of Global Management, I hustled down to the then Phoenix Bakken Madrigal Society to audition and begged to get in because altos are a dime a dozen, and got my way, <laughs> and then ended up doing um, secretary on the board, and then we decided we would become a professional choir. And Paul Perez and his mother were pivotal to that because we had the revenue that we could lean on to really make a difference. That's and today, the Phoenix Chorale is a three-time Grammy Award-winning choir. Wow. That is amazing. And it's that's, a great story. That's your legacy. It is. It's my baby. Yeah. 
It really is. I'm so proud that I'm in the audience. So how did you, I mean, it's an amazing background. So your curiosity about languages, even though you didn't move into the, the, the Serbian language, it inspired you to, to seek out other languages and you embraced German and, and uh-huh. Spanish and then later Italian, right? I've heard you speak Italian. Yes. It's really cool, right? Me encanta. Yeah, te encanta. <laughs> all I can say is oso buco. Oso That's all buco. I can say. But bon, anyway. Buongiorno. Yeah, buongiorno. Como estai? Piccolo. But when you came to the valley, you, uh, I'm going to just say that it sounded like you leveraged your collective background and skills with, with music Right yeah. and, and song, yeah, and you were able to get into, um, you know, the choir and whatnot here in the valley, and and then take it, you know, take it several steps higher, and leaving the legacy that it is today. How did that lead into the coaching? Yeah, so I was just reflecting when you said that, David. I so when I left, there became a point where I. Had graduated from Thunderbird. It was missing the international. My sons were grown enough where I could respond to um, an opportunity to work at Thunderbird right. as the head of alumni relations. And so I did that. I did fundraising. Uh, worked on the corporate side, major gifts side. Uh, we went through a f- two big capital campaigns. Yeah. And then I had the opportunity to reinvent myself yet again. Mm-hmm. And it was in the executive education area. Mm-hmm. And that's where I caught the bug. We were helping companies globally support the development of their high-performing leaders throughout the world. And because we really came naturally as a global uh, academic organization. With a huge brand. With a huge brand. um, We we really were sought out. And so I was really fortunate. And so, make a long story short, I really supported our faculty. Mm -hmm. And then they didn't always have the bandwidth. And they would say, hey, Joy, do you mind just doing sort of the pre- and post-coaching? Mm-hmm. And I didn't really understand coaching like I do today. Right. But, boy, I just went, okay, this is cool. Yeah. And, and just for the benefit of our listeners, name some of the clients that Thunderbird had or the role that you had, the clients that you had. Because yeah. there's some big names out there. Yeah. I mean, I, I, so in the for-profit world, we worked with Intel. Uh, we worked with Grupo Alpha. Uh, we had the opportunity. I worked within the financial services area, and, and we did an amazing program with American Express. And it was um, a program that they funded that supported the emerging leaders in the social sector. Mm-hmm. So that's where I got the bug for leadership, even in the nonprofit. Um, that was very fun. Um, and then really uh, started to, and, and we were serving amazing nonprofits. I mean, uh, I'm trying to think of some of them. Uh, the uh, International um, Federation of Red Cross, Red Crescent oh, Societies. right, right. Um, we did Pro Mujer. Okay. Um, we did Ashoka. Ashoka. Um, Acumen Group. And we did many others. But those are just a couple to give you examples. Well, so, I mean, those are big. Yeah. So very international. Yes. Just everywhere. Yes, it directions. was everywhere. I mean, we, we, we reached out to our, to our people here. Uh, in our backyard as well, uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation, a couple of others. Um, but it was really, um, again, extending our global, the natural, um, I would say, brand persona of who we were as an organization. Sure. And as from my understanding, coaching is like a newer concept. So how was that? 
Well, it was. It is. It's probably, if you talk to people, David, maybe you can help me here. I'm going to say 20, 25 years. Yeah, that's that's right. I mean, you it's know, relatively new. You talk about the early 90s yeah. as, as, as basically when it started. Uh, there's some deeper roots than that, but really before it's got, got any traction. Yeah. And it really didn't get a lot of traction here until the late 90s. Exactly. Yeah. And so now I understand, and I guess to your earlier question, David, mm. how did I finally land this? Well, Thunderbird went through its changes, right. um, and I had the opportunity to really reinvent myself. Mm. And um, at the time, it was a little frustrating, but then I went, wow, this is, it would have never happened any other way if I had not been able to just jump off and go. Right. And so I took time to reflect, um, did a vision quest or two, mm. and then... Um, Really uh, started my career with my business partner, um, Barb Singer, who I there love is. and respect, yeah. um, who I partner with impressive, a lot. Impressive lady. She's amazing. And she was one who was doing coaching before it was called coaching, mm-hmm. 25 mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she took me on. She believed in me before I believed in myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I just have to say this. I found the International Coach Federation Charter Chapter of Phoenix, mm-hmm. and I just kicked the tires and went because when you become a coach, you're all by yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, you pretty much are. And to find my tribe, my like-minded people here locally in my backyard was a true blessing. And it really catapulted me and brought me into where I am today. That's wonderful. What is coaching all about, Joy? Mm. Well, let me think. It is an, I would call it a guided discovery. So the opportunity to partner with someone who is at an inflection point in their life, my preference is within organization, but not limited to, Mm -hmm. um, where they really have an opportunity to reinvent themselves. Um, And the old adage, what got you here ain't going to get you there, Mm -hmm. uh, that's pretty much where I find them, Mm -hmm. kicking and screaming and everything in between. And if they're ready and willing, which they mostly are because they've been hired for their intellectual capacity, Mm -hmm. but they are really not understanding how they develop new muscles. Mm -hmm. And that's where I love to work with them. And it's in partnership, of course. And what, you say these muscles, what are these muscles for? So my new name for my company, Lead Fully, or Lead Fully, a human-centered coaching experience. I say this very, very thoughtfully because many people who are high performers who are driving for results don't take the time to look up, to look out, to even look within, to better understand who they are and what it is they could grow in terms of, for example, they're doers. I'm a big doer. Um, really proud of it, very goal-oriented. And there's more. There's an opportunity to really look at the polarity and look at being. And then when you get to grow those muscles, you can actually choose settings anywhere between doing and being. And that inner power, I, I certainly didn't access until recently. And so my mantra is for all the younger generations out there, Please don't wait, <laughs> because you can lead a much more rich and rewarding life if you can bring all that in. That's wonderful. Very well said. So you've mentioned the importance of 
doing, the importance of being. So I'm sure you can anticipate the next question. <laughs> Where does do. dreaming fit into this? <laughs> I love it. So in support of Be, Dream, Do. <laughs> um, no, actually, it's a great question. I, I think that I can speak for myself. I didn't know what I didn't know mm. or even take the time to stretch the muscle of dream because mm-hmm. I was so doing. Mm-hmm. So I think that if people could take the pause and create the space, the dreaming helps inform the next chapter and the next chapter after that. And so dream is a big piece, huge piece. Yeah. How would it help? this discussion if I change the word from dream to aspiration. I like it. And you know, I couldn't even personally, if you take my example, couldn't even start with the end in mind. Mm -hmm. So somewhere in this journey called life, you really have to uh, be curious. Mm -hmm. And if you're driving for results all the time, and I use myself, again, as the example. Um, my teacher, Doug Silsby, uh, who passed this year, but was my, oh, good, he was amazing. And I feel so lucky um, that B.B. Hansen is taking uh, over uh, presence-based coaching, but I really um, won the lottery when I could have both of them as my teachers. And, and this notion of being in the moment, mm-hmm. in this moment, which never gets repeated ever again, and to allow and to really realize that everything you have is right here, right now. Hmm. Doug always said <laughs> he would he would coach people who were, who use their bodies as the mechanism to get them from one meeting to the other. That's it. That was me. Hmm. Okay. And I'm sure there were quite a few others like me out there. And so the question is, how do you stop and pause and create that space to understand you have so much access in your head, in your heart, and in the rest of your body that allows you to show up embodied in a way that is aspirational? To be more present and to chase your dreams. Like, I mean, just following like you did with your music. Yeah, exactly. Would you ever make ties with um, your interest in coaching with, your background in music? Mm. I'm going to put that on my list. That's a great spark. Uh-huh. I haven't gone there yet. Um, but there are analogies. And if you go back to ICF and our core competencies, if I can just bring them together just now, it's you have to play the scales and the arpeggios uh-huh. to make the beautiful music. Yeah. And so when you look at our 11 core competencies, which I won't bore the audience with, those become the building blocks for becoming an incredible coach. But you got to start with that. And by the way, it's not always sexy work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And working as a team. Absolutely. In partnership all the time. Making that song together. Exactly. Co-creating. So what would your reaction be if I said, you know, because I heard you say that, you know, geez, I haven't gone there. I haven't thought about the, how music has played a role. How would you feel if I suggested that, in fact, it's had a very big role and maybe you just haven't realized it? I'm sure that a 360 view is welcome, and Mm. I agree with you. Mm. 
I mean, from the music and that fullness that brings inspiration to yourself and others, mm. to now transcending cultures mm. and learning how other cultures sing and dance, yes. eat, speak. They go to bed at the same time or different times, but they wake up wanting to love their families and bring joy to their families and to others. And so we are not very different, no matter where we live in the world. And so you're right, David. I need to, I need to look at that very differently. And to you, Sean, thank you. Sure. <laughs> What's the benefit of using a coaching approach as compared to a consultant approach? So for those in the audience that may not know the difference, um, people hire us for our consulting expertise because we are most likely expert in a certain field, um, as expert as anyone can be, because I really do believe that we all have the opportunity to continue to evolve within that expertise. Um, however, there is, there is this thing... <laughs> With coaching, with it, which is, I said it earlier, guided discovery where you're in partnership. And you, as a coach, have to first of all believe wholly that your client is a full, whole, and resourceful human being. You also have to believe in the process. And there's a process, again, I won't bore you with. That's why we go and get educated and trained. Um, <laughs> However, it's when that magic comes, and they, um, one of our colleagues, David Marsha Reynolds, mm. a master coach here in the Valley, she'll always go, that look, where they just, like a little baby, go for the first time seeing something. They haven't thought of it. And a shift occurs. And in Doug Silsby's world, we would call that, you know, that we, 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 we live in these bell jars. And if we're growing, we break bell jar after bell jar. And then there's new views to see and interpret and get into. So it's in partnership with that client in guided discovery with the full belief they are whole human beings and they just need someone to help them unlock it. And that's more impactful than just telling them what to do? Absolutely. Okay. They own it. That's the difference. That's the difference. Okay. They As opposed to, to my own. doing, okay, you tell me, Dave, you should probably look at this or you should probably look at that or whatever. You're partnering with me and through, I guess, questions or whatever. Yes. Right? Um, I discover or happen upon something that brings about this insight, I think you said. or Yeah, there's yeah. a shift. There's a new way of looking mm-hmm. at things. Mm-hmm. And, and that usually informs the next path. And it may not happen overnight. It could happen immediately. You have to be patient because they have to be ready and willing. Oh, and patience historically has not been my strong suit. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> what, what role does intuition play in this process? So I'm a big intuitive. It can get me in trouble. And so, again, it's about choosing my setting and finding that balance within. But intuition can play a big part as long as it's not overdone. Um, I think that one of, and I say this with humility, one of the uh, reasons I think that I can be impactful sooner rather than later is I can connect quickly with people. 
Now, there's a lot of thinkers out there. Their preferences are thinkers, for example, right. as opposed to feelers. And um, I'm a big feeler. Um, again, need to choose this setting. Um, but I do believe that if you can find that balance and enter in, they will come to you inevitably at some point when they're ready and willing. Yeah, very powerful. Very, it's very amazing. Powerful. So you mentioned that uh, you're now with you're with the ICF. You talked about the ICF Phoenix chapter, and recently, yes, ICF Phoenix just joined with the Southern Arizona chapter, and we've created this uh, era of the ICF Arizona Charter chapter. And you're president. Yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> so, so just uh, for the benefit of the listeners, uh, help us understand what this whole ICF mumbo-jumbo is all about. So imagine that there's about 25,000 people globally who have gone through training to be the best coach they could possibly be and are credentialed with the ICF who sets standards around this relatively new industry that continues to evolve and that all of these people believe similarly to what I've just articulated. They might have their own bent. They could be a life coach. They could be a transition, career transition coach. Um, they could be a leadership coach like myself. Um, and anything in between. They could be a health care coach. You name it. But they believe that they can support people in changing their lives. So we have approximately just under 300 of those types of coaches just in the state of Arizona. And there's 140 of these chapters worldwide. And in fact, I'm privileged uh, to go with our president-elect, Connie Kodansky, to Dublin, to the Global Leaders Forum, uh, to continue to learn best practices and bring that back to our members. That's exciting. Very exciting. Very honored to be a part of that. And I would be remiss if I didn't say to you, David, and to Jan Ferran, who is in Tucson, um, they really were the co-leadership that drove this very successful, inclusive, and stake-held process. And January 1, we go live. So hold on to your folks. Hold on to your hats, folks. <laughs> That's terrific. That's it's just fun. terrific. It's very yeah. fun. Yeah. Well, why don't we take a break, and then we're going to explore a little bit more about really how you found what you really love to do. Okay? Sounds good. 85% of employees hate their jobs. That's right. That's what last year's Gallup poll said after surveying millions Only 15% were truly passionate about the work they did. If you are among the 85% who don't like their work, you're invited to join our weekly podcast radio show every Tuesday from 10 to 11 a.m., recorded live at Star Worldwide Network Studio in Scottsdale, Arizona at BeDreamDoRadio.com. You will hear guests of all ages and backgrounds who all have one thing in common. They love what they do. Tune in and explore how they found out what was most important to them, how they dreamed big, and put a plan into action to realize their dreams. Join us in the conversation. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, listeners. Dave Whitehorn, your host, Be Dream Do Radio, and we have our special guest, Joy Lubick, principal and founder of Lead Fully, uh, and she focuses on leadership coaching in the business space. She's also president of the ICF Arizona Charter Chapter, and she was just sharing with us a little bit of how that just happened and how she's going to be going on this wonderful trip to Dublin 
I think that's just a mighty, mighty fine trip you got going there. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> and it's doing, is during St. Patrick's Day week. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's actually St. Patrick's is not as big there as it is. I know. I was about Chicago. to say that. I know. They, they really don't care. They invented it because yeah. all these people come and visit right. from the, the United States. <laughs> the two best places to be for St. Patty's Day is Boston and, and, and Chicago. And Chicago. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Are you going to have a Guinness at least? I'll have one, but I am on business. There you go. <laughs> well, that means you'll have at least, at least two. two. <laughs> okay, two. <laughs> oh, geez. I got I to gotta tell you a story. You want to you hear a story? I would love to hear a story. So there I am in Dublin uh, and uh, on business, and um, they have these, these uh, kind of styrofoam blocks that they use to close off restrooms while they're cleaning them, right? So... I'm coming out of the restroom, and I see this lady putting down the last block, really, to kind of close off things as she's preparing to close the restroom. And I hesitated. And she saw me, and she lifted up the block, right? It, it's a big block, but it was styrofoam, right? And, and so I said, that, you know, there for a moment, I thought I was going to be locked inside here with you. And she said, I oh, you'd be so lucky, lady. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's beautiful. Uh, that's the wit that, of the Irish. That's oh the wit gosh. of the Irish. They're they just are. wonderful people. And that's, that's gonna, that sounds very inspirational, Joy, what you've just laid out and being part of this international organization that's focused on what you very, uh, very eloquently articulated as, uh, as the role of, uh, of coaching. And um, how can people – let me just back up here a little bit. What advice would you have – for those who are listening, who have any interest in becoming coaches themselves? Well, I think you have to listen to your heart. I certainly did. Um, And I am a big giver back person. And I also had done my career and raised my kids, and I kept thinking, what's my next act? But I don't think you have to be later in your career to decide that this is something that you'd want to do. And in fact, one of my passions is how do we really encourage the younger generation to consider becoming a coach in whatever field? Um, And even if you don't become a formal coach, to gain enough knowledge that one could be informally coaching and leading within organizations, to really take that on, because I think that there really is some richness to this notion of uh, inspiring others and motivating others um, as opposed to just being in it for yourself. It's, it's way more of a, a rich journey in that way. So for those that are at whatever level in their careers or in their lives, I think it would be, my advice would be to listen to the voice mm-hmm. And to gain some more information. And um, it, it, it's going to sound like a commercial, but please consider um, going to our website because mm. I think that there is more. I didn't know what I didn't know. And I guess the, the, the opportunity is to accelerate what's possible and then decide to rule it in or out or Tune the dial at whatever level you want because I think that we have an opportunity and as we grow older, honestly, the obligation to bring others along. And it's not necessarily, I think what I hear you saying is 
it's not necessarily a sink or swim discussion right. or going cold turkey into in coaching. No matter where we are in our respective places in life, that getting closer to the coaching discussion is an opportunity to give back, an opportunity to inspire, an opportunity to motivate. That's what I heard you say. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to that point of inspiration, I will just say, there is something about empowering others to arrive at their own conclusion Mm -hmm. as opposed to, I don't know, putting it out there in some command and control kind of way. Mm-hmm. There is this beauty of allowing people to explore the cha- the choices, the opportunities, and to kick the tires um, that you might not get in corporations today. You we, know, it's interesting. I'm sorry, Sean. It's just, it's interesting that uh, speed of execution is critical. Yes. Uh, right? And it's a competitive advantage. So how do you address... Uh, those organizations who are all about speed, all about execution, and you come in with this offer of coaching. So the way I would put it is that organizations realize they need to retain and develop their high, their high potential talent. Um, another way to say it, there is a war on talent. Hmm. And I would say the younger generation, um, they're not as um, committed to any one organization as we used to be perhaps in the old days. And so an organization needs to really be thoughtful about, and I would say genuine, about really bringing these people to the table and giving them the opportunity to broaden not just their intellectual capacity, but their spiritual capacity and just everything in between, because that's who we are as human beings, the whole gambit. And I think that companies are realizing that, so I'm very excited about that new trend. Um, Some are faster to the party, and I would say those are the ones that are really starting to see that they can retain their high potentials. So that's, the, that's really the ROI is the retention. Absolutely. And the promotion of this talent. And the promotion. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. And I would say it's a win-win. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So when you see the vision of certain organizations that see that their talent is critical to their success, um, they are actually taking the time. They're putting in the investment. Um, they're trying to figure out how to accelerate it even more. Truly, this is the way of the future, in my humble opinion. So where, does, um, where do you most recently find yourself traveling a lot to with, in your career? So that's a good question. Um, other than Dublin in March, um, I, I probably do about 95% of my coaching on Zoom. And for those of you who don't know, it's a technological platform that is very friendly um, and really connects people in unique ways. So I was looking at my client base this year, and, and, and I won't say numbers, but I'll just say percentage-wise, 95% of them were Zoom. Um, I did fly down to Mexico and did work in Mexico. Um, we had people from Argentina, uh, from Brazil, and from Mexico as an example. Um, and we were really able to do, I came down because you really do need to break bread and meet them. Um, but after that, boy, I'll tell you what, we just... Break tortillas. Tor- that's right. Mm-hmm. You're right. Sorry. <laughs> wrong culture. <laughs> um, and really just 
get that, engender that trust. The trust is, it, it's critical. It's critical mm-hmm. to do good work together. So what would you say you love most about coaching? Mm. Seeing the change and the shift. The ahas. The look in their eyes like, oh, well, it's actually not always pretty. Yeah. It's the good, bad, and the ugly. <laughs> but it's like, oh, that's me. And then the upside is, there's something we can do about that. Mm-hmm. And it's change is not for the lighthearted. I raise my hand on that one. Okay. So we talked about how you did basically step-by-step step got to where you are now. But I'm, I'm curious if you had any major challenges within that. Within my own change or with other yeah. clients? With like, my change. With your change and becoming the coach. <laughs> you said, you know, you did this, then that, and then, you know. And it sounded like everything went pretty smoothly, but were there, what were some like major challenges? So you want me to air the dirty laundry? Well, no, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, we've experienced higher, higher participation, <laughs> engagement when there was laundry on this, all right, all on right. this show. <laughs> I'll share with you. Um, I'll do it high level. However, <laughs> um, what I will okay. say is that um, there's this thing called ruthless self-introspection. Okay. It starts there. And a humility, and I would say even a tad of courage to go, oh, gosh, that's me. And what could be a better version of me? Um, I think it really, for me, coach training, really in leadership development, I've been in that field for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I sort of understand how we can help people get to the next level of potential. I didn't necessarily understand that for me. Mm-hmm. And the richness of it coming now and emanating from me to others, I think, was the game changer. Like practicing what you preach. Yeah, that would be a way to say it. Yeah. Not to put too fine a point on it. Yeah. Nice. And to be really vulnerable with that and to then engender the trust that's required in partnership with your clients to get them to the next level and have them get themselves to the next level, probably better said. Um, because this journey is theirs, and we're there in support. Were there any, like in your you becoming a coach, were there any other possible opportunities that you might have gone? If you were not a coach, what do you think you'd be doing? Honestly, I never looked back. Um, when I left Thunderbird School of Global Management, I had gotten the bug because yeah. we were doing some of this work, and I was doing it sort of, you know, impromptu, I guess I would say. It wasn't a formal role. Um, and then back to executive core and my colleague, Barb Singer. I mean, she was the one who said, you have a spot on my cadre. There's about 150 of us worldwide. Wow. And I was honored, but also needed to do the heavy lifting. And when I say heavy lifting, it's all internal. You have to really go inside and get real honest with that. If you're going to be, in my humble opinion, a good coach to others. What emotions did that process evoke in you? Oh, the good, bad, and the ugly. Um, so you learn a lot about what some of your old habits are that no longer serve anymore. Mm-hmm. And you also, if I can say on the upside, learn how you can be more expansive around that. So you start with the the ugly part, if you will, and then on the polarity of it, there's light at the end of that tunnel. And so with a good coach, and I sure have had great coaches, 
Um, you really do the heavy lifting yourself, but you see the end in mind, and you co-create what that could look like, and you're not alone because you've got a coach that you trust, mm-hmm. and it's just that chemistry, that connection, that trust that really can bring you to the next level. And when they get there, you don't. there's no words. So in becoming a coach, it's actually quite cathartic for you as well. Oh, yeah. Good question. Yes. Yes and yes. And it makes you more relatable to the people that you're actually coaching because you can't stand before them and say you need to do the work when you yourself hasn't done the work. It's beautifully said. And may I just say that, um, actually, I can't say it better than that. I can't. Because if one can really do the heavy lifting on their own, because we're all human. Right. And we all have our stuff. And there's the next level of evolution. And, you know, in the coaching world, we call it mastery. And guess what? It has no distance. So we're always have the opportunity to evolve and learn. Always. So I'm always challenging my clients, even if I'm saying goodbye and we're in completion, I will always put it on the table, what's your 2019 two goals? What are you going to do? And so I'm hoping that it's inspirational and that they actually take it on and create a new habit around it. But it is about creating new habits and that serve you well and that serve others well. It's both. It's mirror. So before Zoom, how would, how would you guys do it? I mean, back in the old days, uh, it was face-to-face, baby. <laughs> you know, and there's nothing that replaces face-to-face, um, in my humble opinion. But then I'm of another generation. Um, I do, I've gotten very comfortable uh, in virtual contexts, very comfortable. Um, but I do have to say that... Um, that connection doesn't just come in face-to-face. Mm-hmm. It's heart-to-heart. Yeah. And that heart-to-heart is where the, the start of the journey becomes very real. So would you have to travel to the same place like a lot of times throughout the season, different terms? Um, so in my world, it was mostly global. Uh-huh. And when I was at Thunderbird Executive Education, a lot of those people came to us. Okay. Um, and so, but we did travel. Okay. We did travel. I wouldn't say I was a coach then, but I was a coach in becoming. Well, you were coaching. I was. I just didn't know it. But we were. Mm-hmm. Inspiring, coaching, helping people get to the next level of potential. Starting the process of honing your skill. Exactly. And becoming self-aware. Mm-hmm. Did I mention self-awareness is really important? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think, you know, you didn't say it specifically, but it, I mean, Everything that you said was embedded in this whole awareness discussion. Right? It's true. Yeah. And that's how it felt to me anyway. So may I just say I just made the invisible visible through your help. That's what we do as coaches. Do you hope to see in the future more? Like I wonder because it seemed like you got an international coaching. You got the bug. I wonder if the traveling was an element that also played in it. And now you're going to Zoom. Do you hope to see that? Uh, you get to travel more with it and get to, is that something that's really important with coaches that are coming up? Are they going to miss out by just doing Zoom all the time? I think they would. And because I know what I know about that whole connection and in different cultures, quite frankly, I miss it to be up close and personal. Um, And for those that didn't get that opportunity to really come from a, you know, with Thunderbird, our thing was we would develop global mindsets 
mm-hmm. and we would be able to be fluid as best we could in cross-cultural communication and understanding. Um, you can't do that from a book, yeah. which is why I hightailed it to Europe to learn the languages and the culture. So I guess a piece of advice to just put it out there, to your point, Sean, is if you get a chance, go live in another culture. Even if it feels at first scary, and some people, I will say, they, they get paralysis from that. Yeah. Not me, man. Give me a country. I'm there. But not everybody is like that. And so to the right. extent that there's right. a comfort level to that, um, you know, the world has become smaller and smaller in many ways. And so to be connective in this way that's heart to heart, you can do a lot of that online. Um, and I think the younger generation, if I can say, is probably more predisposed to it. But I just got to say nothing replaces a good cold Guinness in person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Provided that it's drunk in Ireland. Of exactly. Course. Of course. Right. On, on well, it doesn't Saint, taste the same. Yeah, exactly. Day. On St. Paddy's Day. Yes, exactly. Day. <laughs> That's right. Obviously in the space of a coaching conversation. Of course. Of course. <laughs> with, with a meal. Exactly. <laughs> with the- <laughs> exactly. You guys get it. You're quick learners. <laughs> So I guess it sounds like what you're saying is that while, while Zoom is, is a platform that helps facilitate uh, coaching discussions globally, and it's, been, it's actually helped you scale your business. It has. Um, that the downside is, is that there's a sacrifice of connecting more deeply with the culture, uh, the organization, I'd even say, oh, yeah. right, uh, of where the client is sitting. Um, and there's a cost the cost side of that, right, from an organizational perspective as well, and a time efficiency and whatnot. And it kind of goes back to that same discussion, Joy, that we were touching on earlier. What's the value of slowing things down? And what's the value of actually at least making, like you did in Mexico, that one trip or the two trips a year to connect the dots so that all of these Zoom contacts have some congruency in that discussion? It's invaluable to meet him in person and break bread, period. I don't care if you're 25 or 65. Right. Um, but what I will say, and you brought something up, if I could, around this future of work. Right. Um, and it will change and evolve. But I am pretty sure the one thing that's going to stay the same and could be even stronger is the human connection. So human to human, and I mean face-to-face, and yes, Zoom is a nice replacement, but when you can be up close and personal, it, it, there's just no replacement. So I think there'll be a correlation, a strong correlation between technology empowering and enabling and we as humans needing that ability to connect. And if you think about, I mean, the boat already left the dock, right. but think about the future of work and working alongside artif- artificial intelligence and yeah. you know all of this. Right. They still need people who are going to be able to make critical judgment, who are going to be able to feel, who can inform this AI in different ways. Um, They still need us as humans. So what you're suggesting is, is as we're going deeper and deeper into this universe of artificial intelligence, that the human aspect is more important than ever as opposed to less important. Absolutamente. Yeah, God, I... They could make what you know. Talking sci-fi, there's technology here. The 3D uh, yeah. holograms. Yeah, that'd be interesting. It wouldn't have. I don't know. 
So I've done telepresence coaching. Okay. I've never seen it. In it's person. amazing. You okay. do feel like you've just walked into the room. Um, it is probably a step up from Zoom if, you, if I had my druthers. Uh-huh. I do feel sort of futuristic about it. Like, ooh. Yeah. Um, but you, <laughs> you really are in the room with them. Wow. Um, so it is, I would say it's the next level of connectivity. But I'm talking about what we don't know we don't know. Yeah. I have no idea what's coming down. And I do trust that the human race will want to continue to stay connected. Yeah. You know, a word that you used earlier, Joy, is, is yeah, in this coaching process is the word trust. So um, I think what you're saying here is that the human side of the equation is even more critical because how do you establish trust through artificial intelligence just as a platform, I'll just say that, that there's got to be some sort of a connection. That's what I, that's what I hear you say. Yeah. So the platform, let's use this as an example, is not the end game. It's the means to the end. Right. And the end game is our connectivity. In this is one woman's opinion, but I strongly believe it. Well, it's your, you're on the show here, so it's, it's your okay, opinion. Okay, so it's my opinion. It's your opinion. There it's you go. out there. I'm going to be brave and say it right out loud. <laughs> Listeners, brought to you by Joy Lubeck. <laughs> there you go. Done and done. Wonderful. Wonderful. So I have to I share another story. I would love it. So uh, in a previous life, I, we had this conversation in the corporate world, and you know, the virtual versus uh, face-to-face. And so the organization that I work for actually had a global uh, training program in how to build your teams virtually. Beautiful. Get this. The training, you had to be in person. <laughs> I got such a That's kick hilarious. out of that. I got such a kick out of that. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's very funny. I thought you would appreciate that. No, that's that. very funny. It's, it's ironic as well. Yeah, it is. I said, like, so you got to be kidding. Isn't there a virtual offer for this? Oh, no. We've never found that to be very effective. <laughs> so there you it go. Was a, it was a two-day training. It was a two-day training. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. They so didn't. That only, I mean, that supports what you're saying and, you know. I don't think it can replace. Yeah. I really do. Um, I, I will say that as things go into the scale mode. Right. Um, I think that if there is anything that I would leave, you know, back to Be, Dream, Do, if I could, mm. um, this scale is whatever. Right. I mean, necessary, maybe. Um, but I would say that the human change doesn't happen overnight. As coaches, we can accelerate the growth of, of human beings, of course, um, and in partnership with, if they're ready and willing. And if all those elements are there, um, there's a lot, lot that can get done in a very short amount of time, remarkably. However, I do think this piece in the middle, dream, I just got to say, that's the aspirational state. And if people, you know, my, my byline is look up, look out, look within. Up, out, and within. Yeah, mm-hmm. because what's happening, and I've, this is with my clients, I'm, I'm sure you can relate. They're driving for results. Tell me the last time they even took a breath and looked up. Much less looked out across an organization and looked at an enterprise-wide perspective, for example, much less go, wait, leadership starts here within. Mm -hmm. And each one of us has that opportunity to Mm. be the spark, to be the change, instead of waiting for someone else 
No, no, it's right here. That's beautiful. It's That's like, just beautiful. You know, it's like that old saying, you can't love someone else unless you love yourself first. That's right. And even if it's good, bad, and ugly. <laughs> So that's another one. Thank you for bringing it up. A big element, self-compassion. Sounds like they have to have a solo in the song. Everybody should have a solo, and then they can. So I was trying to make a music connection. I love it. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, no, I love it. Uh, you know, he stands out. Soprano, and alto, tenor, bass. There and it is. You put it together. It's one beautiful song. That's a shout-out yeah. to the Phoenix Corral. <laughs> so, to play, so to play in a symphony, you have to know your own role first. But you also need to know the role of others. Beautiful. And then you also need, so, so it, this is maybe where it's different, although I think it's a, a partnership even with that conductor. They're giving and taking and sharing all in this parameter in that moment of amazing music. And when you're in the flow, I mean, to our coaching colleagues, I can say, you know when you're in the flow with your client. Right. Right. There is no difference. Sean, thank you very much. People would pay to see that. People do pay to see that. There it is. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. What books inspired you? Mm. Well, I got to start with presence-based coaching um, because that's what opened up the door for me. So thanks to the International Coach Federation, then Phoenix Charter Chapter, um, there were two women, Patty Thorne and Connie Kadansky, who hosted a book learning experience, and it was Doug Silsby's second book of a trilogy. And I remember very clearly going, oh, dear Lord, these people are way better coaches than me. I better go do the heavy lifting. That was my aha. Um, And then I went back for more and ended up, the rest is history, I did all the coursework with Doug and Bibi. And this notion of just being in the present moment, you know, that's really easy to say. This was like two years of heavy lifting and a lot of books. Um, Presence-based leadership came out after that right before his death. Um, and The Mindful Coach was his first one. Um, there's another one. Um, a lot of my clients really appreciate it. It's called Just One Thing by Richard Hansen. And he is a thought leader in the area of positivity. So in this time when people may not have as much bright light or hope, um, I can guarantee you it's there if we look for it. And I can guarantee that if we all were to be the light... We'd be in another world. Yeah, Joy, thank you so, so much. Listeners, we've been blessed with the presence of um, Joy Lubeck here. We thank you very much. Look up, look out, mm-hmm. and look within. Ladies and gentlemen, join us next week. We have a special guest coming straight to us from the North Pole. And remember, do what you love and love what you do. Thank you for joining David and his guest. Make sure to catch Be, Dream, Do, Living by Design every week right here on StarWorldWideNetworks.com.